to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. It is great to be back inside your guys' headphones, your uh, car stereos, your platform of streaming choice. But as always, I'm your host, Dallas. You can find me on Twitter at SalaGalore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L galore on Twitter. Um, guys, it's that time. Every four weeks, you uh, you get me this season, and we are going to be talking about actually two little uh, fun nuggets today. One, we're going to be going over my last initial rendition of the rookie report cards, and then we're going to be going over the changes to said report cards, um, differences in the A, B, C, D, F, and I for injury slash incomplete categories, as well as going over some IDP love for some of you IDP lovers. Um, I'm going to hold off the IDP content until the end of the show um, just to kind of save any of you non-IDPers from having to listen through all that or find it because I know I'm not putting on a timestamp and I know I'm not going to make Memphis put on a timestamp on this episode so you guys can find it. Um, but I hope that all of you actually will listen to the entirety of the episode. If you are not in any IDP leagues, I strongly suggest at least trying one out. Um, I definitely am all for getting one together for the DWZ network next year. We kind of had the makings for it but we did not have enough people that were interested or I would say brave enough to say that they were interested in IDP League, but it's a fun little nugget and a fun little change as to what we are typically used to when it comes to playing the Dynasty game that we know and love. But as I said, guys, this one is going to be all about rookies primarily, and we're going to just dive right into the rookie report cards. I'm going to go quickly over how many people were in each category. Not going to go over every single name in the category. Just kind of give you a, a general shell. Um, going into my week five, i.e. the first quarter of the season in the first four weeks, I only had five players that were in my stud category. Um, there were four wide receivers and a tight end in the form of Chris Olave, Drake London, Jahad Dotson, Romeo Dubs, and Daniel Bellinger. Um, I told you that there was an intermediate group in between A and B, but they were basically at the top of my B group in the form of two running backs in Damian Pierce and Brees Hall that I needed to see consistency for. And I can give you a little bit of a heads up, they moved on up. Unfortunately, some injuries are dealing with one of them, but they did find their way up. In the B category, I had six players. In the C category, I had eight players. In the D category, I had nine players, and I had a whopping 17 in my F category, which is my deuces that I really didn't want any part of. Um, you had to do something pretty special in order to get out of said category, and unfortunately no one has been able to do that. Um, so those were players that I was comfortable selling, basically. Um, the I category, I had 13 players, a lot of them due to injury, but luckily with the four-week IR period that we are now graced with as opposed to the six-week IR period, um, there was quite a few players that snuck out of the injury group up a couple of categories into my B and C tiers. Um, to go over just the general categories again for you, my A's are my studs. They're my locked and loaded guys that have showed me enough where I'm actively attempting to go out and try to acquire them if I can. Um, some of them are harder, but some of them actually have some buy windows right now that I'm going to talk to you all about that are pretty nice for their overall dynasty outlook going down. You know, down the road due to some inconsistency at quarterback, some injury concerns, etc., stuff like that. My B tier is my optimistic tier. They're guys that have flashed 
but have yet to show me consistent production on the field. They're guys that I am optimistic for their end of season totals as they get healthy, as they start clicking a little bit more in the offense, but they are kind of the, uh, the upper echelon of the average tier where I'm seeing some flashes, but not enough to make me think that they're going to be a stud for sure. My C category is my average slash mildly concerned, um, specifically mildly concerned at the halfway mark of the season. If I'm not seeing flashes out of these guys now, I I just don't think it's really going to start to come on towards the end of the season. And I feel like there are going to be some buy low targets in this category, specifically going into next offseason or next draft time. Uh, but these are some guys that I'm not super highly invested on in general, and I'm not looking to become invested on. The B category for me is usually my target range where I'm trying to acquire these optimistic players that have not shown it to everyone that people may be a little bit suspect on that you can get for a little bit cheaper than you probably will once they do show consistency. The D category is my stalling. These are guys that are have been in games, have shown what they're able to do, and what they've shown has not impressed me thus far. Um, at the midway point, these are guys that I'm attempting to sell. Um, if I can recruit pretty much anything close to what I paid for them in rookie drafts, I am immediately shipping them off and not really blinking twice. And then my F deuces category is guys that I'm officially done with. So I'm not going to go over any of the players that were in my F category last time, because those are guys that I'm no longer interested in. Those are guys that I told you to move on from last time. And there are a couple of new faces that have found their way into this F category in this week's episode. Um, But I'm not going to touch on that big chunk of players that I told you that uh, you should get out early on when you have the chance. Um, My I category, injury-related one, like I said, a couple of players snuck off of that one, but there's still quite a few players on this list with incomplete grades for me because I just haven't been able to see them on the field. But without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive directly into my A stud category. Um, it's pretty much the exact same for me as it was last time with the addition of a couple of players. Olave, London, Dotson, Dubs, and Bellinger have not done anything over the last four weeks since our initial conversation to dissuade me from pulling them, um, you know, keeping them in the A tier, sorry. Um, Bellinger is the one that people probably are still confused about, but if you look at his stats on a consistency basis, he is performing on a very, very consistent basis at the tight end position, which you don't typically see out of a rookie. He's getting you right around eight fantasy points in general PPR, non-tight end premium each week. Uh, He is currently dealing with an injury over the last two weeks, um, technically last week and week eight and going into the week nine bye, but he's just been consistently producing on an average target amount. He's seeing still the most snaps out of any of the tight ends at the position, and he's seen over 55% of the tight end snaps in every game except for one which he got injured in um love the player all the wide receivers i think you can get every single one of these wide receivers right now cheaper than you could have gotten after week four which is awesome guys i would strongly recommend just putting some feelers out for Olave, for london for dots and for dubs see what you can actually acquire them for um like i said um they're all pretty cheap. Memphis had chatted about it in the Patreon group chat, which you are you are not a member of the DWZ Patreon. You should be because it's a great place to be. But he talked about it. Um, just trades straight up where you're seeing <laughs> trades for Romeo Dubs for some running backs that shouldn't be acquirable for the price of Romeo Dubs. Um, vice versa. There's there's just some cheap buys out there. Um, for me, Jihad Dotson is the target for me because right now he's still currently ranked number four out of all rookies in points per game at 
just over 13 PPR points per game. Um, the quarterback has been extremely inconsistent. He has been dealing with an injury over the last couple of weeks that have kind of held him out. But the thing is, guys, the only thing that we have to look forward to is a quarterback upgrade in the future coming to the Washington Commanders. And when you're looking at a guy that separates as well as Dotson does, that has showed me what I was concerned about, his ability to beat press coverage in the NFL. He's a guy you can acquire way too cheap right now, and that's what I'm attempting to go and do. Um, right now, odds are, because of the situation, because of what we've seen, because of the injury, if he is on a contender right now, you can probably get him for a straight-up second in next year's class for people that are wanting to re-roll the dice and are concerned with the commanders right now. I'd be attempting to do that with Dotson because, in all reality, that's what you paid for him um, in this year's class, and getting him at a discount when he's actually shown stuff in the NFL, great. Dubs, another guy in that same position where I'm looking at, um, he has had very boom, very bust weeks. He put up a very consistent showing of the first couple of weeks, but this Packers offense is atrocious right now. Um, he isn't seeing the massive targets, is what I would say when it comes to Dubs, that we were becoming accustomed to earlier on in the season, and it's a guy that you know, uh, I still think you can acquire cheaply. The three newcomers in the A stud category for me are three running backs in the form of Damian Pierce, Brees Hall, and Kenneth Walker. I'm not going to beat these guys with the dead horse because you guys already know Brees Hall looked like an absolute world beater before his injury. He can be acquired right now. I would still definitely be acquiring him, especially if you're in a rebuild, if you're in a, um, you know, a win now piece, you can definitely still move him for a very high upper echelon running back plus right now in order to acquire a piece that can help you win and without actually losing pretty much any value on Brees Hall. Kenneth Walker, stud, don't move him. Locked and loaded was the RB2 in the class before this. He's still the RB2. He may be slightly behind a guy in you know points per game in the form of Damian Pierce, but when you look at Kenneth Walker's production in this offense, since going down with injury, Penny halfway through the game in week five, uh, he put up 88 yards on eight touches week five, 97 yards on 21 uh, touches these are all on-the-ground metrics, by the way. Um, in week 6, 167 yards on 23 touches in week 7, and this last week, 51 on 81. But guess what? He has put up a minimum of one touchdown on the ground in each of those weeks as well. He's as consistent as it comes. He's a great goal line back, and he's got that really deep speed that you love to see from a guy at the running back position. Um, like I said, these are all guys I'm attempting to acquire. All the running backs I think you're going to have to pay up for right now, but everyone that was in the category in week 4 has seen kind of a downtick in not even production, just overall appeal for some reason. People are kind of like, oh, wow, we don't have anyone in the wide receiver group that's really putting up like these 25-point games that are really great for you. Well, guess what? 13 to 14 points from a wide receiver to a wide receiver three, pretty dang good in your wide receiver spot. So I would be attempting to acquire pretty much everyone that I've listed thus far. I just think you're going to have to overpay right now for the running back, so it might be a little bit harder than you want it to be. Going into my B optimistic tier, it is pretty much the same as it was last week. We have Traylon Burks, who is now injured right now. Garrett Wilson, who still cannot show me the uh, you know the consistency I'm looking for. Markwell Washington who I still think is an absolute phenom. He's going to start getting more work, especially with some of the injuries that are happening right now in the Denver Broncos offense. Khalil Shakir, who showed everyone what he can do when given the snap share with the 70% snap share where he went absolutely nuclear for 20-plus PPR points in week five. And then George Pickens, who's in the same boat as Garrett Wilson. We've seen flashes. We've seen the crazy good plays. We've seen the consistently high scoring in a couple of weeks, but you have not seen it week in, week out. He's giving you the classic Gabe Davis treatment right now, which is 
very likely based off of how this Pittsburgh Steelers offense is. These are guys I'm still trying to acquire specifically on rebuilds, but if you're a contender, you kind of want to shy away from all five of these because they're not going to give you the type of offensive production this year that you're hoping for. The three newcomers in this tier... Um, one jumping all the way from the stalling group and Isaiah likely at the tight end due to some injuries in this offense and the outlook for his increased production role this season, Isaiah likely with Baltimore. Um, I just think you're going to see a steady target flow to this guy right now. He's being used as a true slot right now, as opposed to an actual tight end. Mark Andrews is gone right now with an injury. He slides directly into this offense, has shown you what he can do with an absolute banger of a game last week in the same fashion that we saw in his preseason finale. And I think that's, you're realistically going to see a floor of about 10 probably points with Isaiah likely going forward. Two wide receivers that were on the injured category. The last go around of this, you know, little conversation we had on grading was uh, Taekwon Thornton and Wandell Robinson. Both of them are in my optimistic tier. Taekwon, I, I just couldn't believe that he was drafted as high as he would, but Every time he's on the field, you see the separation. You see this insane speed, and the route running is a lot better than what it was on tape in college. He's a guy that can produce. The only issue right now is which quarterback can actually get on the ball. Um, there's some concern for me long-term what his outlook may be, but based off of acquisition cost and based off of the fact that he hasn't really blown up at all, you can get him extremely cheap right now unlike likely who you're going to have to pay up for. And then you have Wandell Robinson. He's a guy who's been a little bit inconsistent, has shown just as many boom games as a guy like George Pickens, but is in an offense that is still slightly crowded and ultimately is always going to be run first. And right now, RPO first when it comes to Daniel Jones and Barkley. Um, I'd be acquiring Thornton and Robinson for seconds that you got them for this year because they've shown you what you were hoping to see very, very early. You're just once again hoping for the consistency to boot up for these players. The C category, we have our first player that fell from the B category, and that is Mr. Isaiah Pacheco. Um, I, I I get it. I was optimistic as well, just based off of the work that he was getting, the, uh, the, the offensive divvying up of touches was decently nice, but it hasn't seen an increase even over the last couple of weeks as he's seen an increase from his 15% average over the first six games to a 30% average right now, but he still can't break away that third down roll for me because he's a horrific pass protector and it's been terrible um just <laughs> go and watch the tape guys he is not a good pass protector and he's not going to be in this offense on third down which is the money down for patrick Mahomes. for anyone that knows patrick Mahomes, he's not gonna be on the field it's gonna be jerick mckinnon it's gonna be ceh it's still been ceh and jerick mckinnon even though they've technically named pacheco the starter even though his snap count was still lower than mr mckinnon's was last time he was on the field um, he's a guy that I am in the average tier, not blown away with. If you can move him for um, anyone that's attempting to acquire him, which I talked to Memphis on in last week's episode um, of the DWZ, I think it was the Friday episode, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it was last Sunday, actually. Last Sunday episode, I told you guys that I wasn't really high. I'm trying to get what I can and get out if I had him. Unfortunately, I do not have him anywhere. Um, it's not really unfortunate for me, but try and move him if you can. Um, he's dropping for me, just like another running back that we'll talk about in the stalling category next. But there's five consistent players that are in this group that were still in it last time. We have Kenny Pickett, still in the average tier. He's shown basically what I anticipated him showing with this abysmal offensive line. The run game isn't helping him at all. His turnover prevalence is on par with what we saw with Mitchell Trubisky, but losing Chase Claypool doesn't help him at all. I don't see any type of optimistic uptick 
in his offensive production. I do think he's going to have this job for at least one more year. So realistically acquiring him right now, he's actually acquirable, not even close to what people paid for him in Superflex. So it's a guy you can probably pick up for not a first round pick right now at the quarterback position, which is always alluring in Superflex. Rashad White, Jalen Warren, Tyler Algier, three running backs have shown consistent production when getting the snaps, but they're not getting the snaps overall. Their offenses aren't very good right now. They're not producing really because they aren't given the opportunity to. They're guys that, um, you know, I'm fine with if they're on my roster. They're probably my end of roster guys, but I'm not actively seeking them out because all three are realistically going to get replaced in next year's running back class. A wide receiver that is on my C tier still, just because it's been extremely lifted up by touchdown production, is Alec Pierce. Um, He's a guy that's still seeing the targets in this offense, but this offense is looking rough right now in Indianapolis, and I don't see it increasing with Ellinger on the team. Um, looking at the end of your schedule, it gets a little bit tougher as the season goes on for the Colts. Um, there's going to be a new quarterback in town, which may be nice for his end of season slash going into the offseason tier. Um, so for that aspect, if you can acquire him, him, I probably am. But if you need any type of wide receiver consistency over the next couple of weeks, I would not be banking it on Pierce. And if I'm a contender, he's a piece that I'm trying to move to a rebuild team for a guy that can get me points now. Um, specifically one of the older guys. Um, I, I mean, just it's a guy that's probably just going to be a jag on this team, unfortunately. He's got the athletic matrix to be really cool, but until we see him build a rapport with the quarterback, I'm not really in on it. Three guys that have elevated themselves into the C tier where I'm not actively attempting to acquire, but I'm definitely paying attention in between this block and the next actual show that I do right before the fantasy playoffs begin for most of you in week 14 is going to be Kay Dotton, Brian Robinson, and Bailey Zappi. These are three players right now that have gotten a very minimal amount of work realistically in their offenses thus far. Each have basically gotten a game where they've been given primary starter snaps and they've performed with those primary starter snaps, but then immediately have had that yanked away from them. Um, when I'm looking at Kay Dotton, when I'm looking at Brian Robinson, when I'm looking at Bailey Zappi, they're three guys that could contribute for your team in the future, but this year it's not happening. Um, just because they're not really getting the workload and their teams are a little crappy. So they're three guys that you can acquire probably dirt cheap that I'm a little bit higher on probably than consensus still. And they're three guys that are kind of fun little flyers to try and go out and see what you can acquire them for. Looking to the D stalling category for me, there is one player that has dropped out of my uh, C tier down into my D tier. And that is Mr. James Cook. Um, It's a guy right now that has seen a lot of shit happen to him guys um but if anyone was listening and is a tried and true follower of my advice on my rookie you know my rookie breakdowns i kind of told you (laughs) multiple times not to draft him not to overdraft him and definitely not to keep him on your roster if you were going to draft him um he's a guy that cannot see a consistent workload when it actually comes to um you know consistency on the field his highest percentage of snaps in a game this year was week two at 26% of the offensive snaps. Um, I mean, he he's, if he's not catching a really long bomb like he did in this last game for 41 yards, he's doing absolutely nothing for your team. They just brought in Naheem Hines to take over that role. Um, they don't trust him. They don't trust him on this run. Yes, they traded away Zach Moss, but guess what? It does absolutely nothing to a guy like Devin Singletary's 
ability by bringing in Neen Hines. It basically just relegates James Cook to the absolute bench where he's going to sit there. If you can get pretty much anything for James Cook, he's a guy I'm trying to move immediately. If I can get a second for him, I'm shipping him off because I do not want that headache. Um, I have him in one one of my leagues, and I already moved him very early on. I think I moved him week four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the end of week four, I think, on this last little mock-up that I had, I had... Uh, what was I? I want to say I moved James Cook and... James Cook a second and a third for Aaron Jones in a league that I am 100% competing for. And right now, I feel absolutely amazing about it. Um, He's a guy that, again, I don't think you're going to be able to get pretty much anything for him right now, but I'm probably okay with that. Um, Some players that have all remained on this list that were not on this list before. Malik Willis, he's kind of stalling. He's shown one game of game action, and it was probably the worst quarterback game I've seen since Nathan Peterman's quarterback game. Um, Didn't pass pretty much any attempts. They just handed the ball off like 100 times to Derrick Henry and Hassan Haskins. Um, Hassan Haskins is the second player on here. He's still not getting the workload. Um, That's the main thing. He's not getting any of the passing down work, which is kind of concerning when the guy has a full, you know, three-down skill set, but... He's a guy that I'm keeping my eye on still. He is stalling, but I he's just going to get replaced next year. It's just how it's going to work. Um, we have a bevy of tight ends that were also on this list already. Christian Aquanco, Jake Ferguson, and Jelani Woods all have had games of touchdowns basically going into this season, but none are getting snap share, target volume, anything like that. So I'm, I'm just holding them in the stalling category because, like I said, you never sell. You never really sell tight ends in or immediately following their rookie season because their value is just going to continue to go up into year two. Um, After year two is usually when I'm like, if I haven't seen any signs of life whatsoever, it's time to move on. Um, Two guys that are in this category that were not before. One, Greg Dulcich, and two, Valus Jones. Both were in the injury category beforehand, but both are stalling for me. Dulcich had a one-game blow-up that everyone remembers because it was his first NFL catch was for like a 40-yard touchdown, but he is doing absolutely nothing other than that right now. Um, really inconsistent with his production, which is not what you want from the tight end position. Uh, he just falls into that category that a lot of tight ends fall into where it's a, you know, a touchdown or bust. He's seen a good steady target over the last two weeks of nine and five. But again, in this offense, not seeing a lot of production. There's some question marks all around. And I think he's just becoming a safety blanket right now because this offense is just in shambles. Uh, He's a guy that I'm trying to move out of this category. He's in the stalling category. So I think he can get quite a bit more for Dulcich than I think he's actually worth. And that's something that I'm attempting to do. Bayless Jones, pretty much dead for me. Um, The only reason I am holding off is because I want to see what he looks like. you know, with a little bit more time, but he, he's got a ton of athleticism. I just think he's going to end up turning out like a Jakeem Grant special teamer more than anything, which is kind of what I anticipated in this offense, especially after the Jace Claypool move for the bears. You just see it coming. And then we move on to my category of deuces. These are three players that I am out on. Um, there's a name. I know a lot of you are probably sitting here like, oh, I haven't heard his name yet. Um, it's because he's in this category. It's Sky Moore. Um, the bringing in of Kadarius Tony does nothing but show me basically that they think that they made a mistake. Uh, if it was wanting a playmaking young yak receiver on this offense um, who's known the playbook more than Kadarius Tony is on the team, um, they would be using him if they trusted him. He's terrible on the special teams aspect. He's fumbled, I think, three times now. 
in six games of work as a punt and kick returner. Um, he's seen like maybe like five or six total targets across the season in general. He can't break in. He can't be MVS, who's only seen like 30 targets on the season thus far. Um, it, it, he's just pretty much dead. If you can get almost anything for Sky Moore, I'm trading him. Um, if you can get a back end second for a guy on a rebuilding team or something like that, that's that's really what I'm trying to move him for because he's – I wasn't high on him before. I'm still not high on him. He hasn't shown me absolutely anything. He hasn't a blown, up, blown up game. And it's halfway through the season now where I can say it's confirmation bias. Not, It's not confirmation bias, sorry. Um, and it's what we've actually seen production bias between the difference of Khalil Shakir and Sky Moore. It was my concern. It's that Sky Moore's production was more based off of his quarterback than Khalil Shakir's was, and it was something that we're kind of seeing right now. He, he just can't break into the offense, which is saying something because, you know, their their offensive weapons aren't better at all, really, than the, uh, than the Buffalo Bills. So the fact that Khalil Shakir has found his way onto the offense, um, it, it's pretty nice. The two other players on this, uh, Kyle Phillips, he was a one-game wonder, so a lot of targets to start off the season, but has done absolutely nothing since week one, so I'm pretty much done with him. If you can get a third or a fourth round pick for someone who's a little bit optimistic or is just looking for that you know, bi-week filler of a guy who will play, Kyle Phillips is your guy. And then the quarterback, Skylar Thompson, um, it was a fun preseason, but in Superflex, if I can flip him for a third or a fourth, I'm doing it immediately because we've seen what he can do when he's in there, and it's not pretty. Looking onto the injury and incomplete category, I am looking at the same people that I was last time. Matt Corral, not going to know what's happening until next year. Sam Howell, a guy that apparently is nowhere close to near starting, which is not that shocking based off his college tape. Uh, Jerome Ford, still on injured reserve. Um, Jameson Williams, still on injured reserve. John Mechie, still on injured reserve. Jeremy Ruckard, doing absolutely nothing for the team, still injured. And then Desmond Ritter, somehow not breaking into the offense for Atlanta. And it's probably because they keep on winning, which is weird. Uh, Atlanta's at the head of the division right now. And until Marietta really starts flaming out and they start dropping a couple games back, I don't see Ritter stepping in. So I can't grade him on what his performance is yet. Um, that's the breakdown. Guys, I was a little bit surprised. I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys raising the ranks, which is not usually something that happens when I do my rookie report cards in the midway season. Usually see a lot of droppers with a couple of guys really starting to separate. But there's there's quite a few players from this class that are very intriguing in our budget options for you where you can add them and especially if you're on a weaker depth side of a team, you can move these third and fourth round picks over the next two years, which are going to get you players you're hoping are on the same level of what we've seen from a lot of these guys um, and pretty easily acquire them. But as of right now, a lot more even of a distribution of a bell curve right now. Uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight players in my A, eight players in my B. We have 10 players in my C. We have eight players in my D. We have three in F and seven with incomplete grades. The remaining guys that you haven't heard about, I am not interested in. Um, that's right, Christian Watson, looking at you. <laughs> you should have traded him while you had the chance, guys. But now we're going to go ahead and transition into the IDP aspect of the show. Um, for those of you that do not know, IDP stands for Independent or Individual Defensive Players. Um, this is where you start any any number of basic players that fall into the category of linebackers, defensive linemen, and defensive backs. Um, you can have individual groups inside of those split up based off of your platform. We can have inside and outside linebackers, defensive ends versus defensive tackles, and cornerbacks versus safeties. 
but three categories is typically where you fall into. I will be breaking these down. Um, I have a list basically of IDP targets for contenders and rebuilders, and then IDP ditchers, which are players I'm attempting to move off of my roster regardless if I am a contender or if I am a rebuilder based off of how I see their end of season production going, the trends I've started to see with them, and just the blatant inconsistency in play that you get from these guys with some big names in here. <clears throat> so without further ado, um, linebacker, and again, this is going to be in one, two, three scoring guys, so pretty much the staple standard for all of you IDP players, you know what it is. Um, my recommendation here is following these. If you're in a one, two, three, if you have a specific scoring related question for me, just shoot me a DM. Um, I've had actually <laughs> quite a lot of IDP specific questions every time that I ask. Um, not a lot of response in the group chat, but I end up getting a lot of individual DMs of people uh, who just kind of want to pick my brain about the situations that they're in when it comes to rostership specifically because IDPs can get a little bit tricky when you are managing your offensive and defensive players on your roster, especially when you get in the bigger leagues. Um, like I, for those of you interested, I'm in a 16-team 22-man roster league with our benches are like, I think it's about 25 bench spots. So you're starting an entire actual NFL offense and actual NFL defense. So you're starting 11 on offense, 11 on defense every single week. So things can get a little bit messy and making sure that you're consistently getting a bare minimum floor is usually the best way that you can win in an IDP league. Um, it can make a huge difference if your floor on your defensive side is significantly higher than the rest of the league. And that's typically what I predicate my IDP leagues to do. Um, I, I never invest in offensive weapons that are high touting. I always focus on getting a quarterback in, getting one stud wide receiver, one stud tight end, and the rest just very consistent defensive players. I let wide receiver and running back kind of work itself out throughout the season. I'm okay with six or so points from my wide receiver if I'm getting 15 from all of my IDP players. But without further ado, we'll go into the contending side. Um, I have a budget acquisition and a high-end acquisition cost-wise that I think based off of name cachet, there is a significant difference between the price that you're typically getting these two guys. And I think that both can be extremely consistent, but these are guys that at each category, I'm very confident picking up if I'm a contender. At the linebacker position, the first one is Alex Anzalone. Alex Anzalone, for me, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, is probably, he's he's got to be the most underrated asset in an IDP league that I can really think of in general. Um, you're looking at a guy that is week in, week out. He is going to be ranked outside of the top 40 at the linebacker position. And he has, in 1-2-3 scoring, finished inside the top 17 in 6 out of 8 weeks. And that's with a bye. So 6 out of 7 weeks, he's finished inside the top 15. He's a guy that is 28. He is consistently seeing over 65% of the snaps, which for a true Mike linebacker is exactly the stat line I want to see. He's been over 70 in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 out of the 7 games. <clears throat> and his tackle totals have been 9, 6, 11, 6, 8, 8, 7, with sprinkled in sacks, forced fumbles, and one interception on the season. He's a guy that consistently sees work in a bad defense, which is what I want from my middle linebackers. When we get to my outside and Sam linebackers, when I break them down, um, I'm probably going to do a long episode about this at some point, but when I get to my outside and 
line uh, outside and Sam slash Will linebackers. That's when I care more about the past defenses and stuff like that because typically your middle linebackers just in run support um, but you want a high tackle floor and the ability to get your hands on the ball when it comes up that's exactly what Anzalone does Anzalone is a just a stupidly cheap acquisition I've actually been attempting to move him in two of my leagues now for about a year um, and people just don't want to buy him so I, I know it's a weird statement that I'm telling you that he's a locked and loaded contender acquisition and it's because I, just the longer he sits on my roster, the longer I'm like, wow, like why am I starting these other linebackers over him type of deal? And I'm just consistently playing him as my flex IDP spot at a linebacker position. He's consistently getting me double digit points and I don't have to worry about that flex spot at all, which is very, very nice for a guy I spent nothing on. My high ranking guy that I'm trying to acquire is Willie Gay out of Kansas City. Um, <clears throat> this is a guy that has been dealing with some injuries and a suspension this year. But when he's on the field, he sees about 50% of the snaps in the Kansas City defense. He sees in those 50% of the snaps, basically double-digit tackles every time. He's got point totals in 1-2-3 scoring of 9-27-14 and 14 in his three games that he's been active this season. And he's a guy long-term at the age of 24 that is going to be a staple for this Chiefs defense going forward. Him paired with Nick Bolton when they're both healthy, uh, the defense is pretty much impossible to run on, which is crazy talking about for the Kansas City Chiefs, but he's a guy I'm trying to acquire. <clears throat> because of his age, I think you're going to have to pay up a little bit more than you would, but the guy that has Willie Gay is probably looking for a replacement for him because of his inconsistency on the field. But if you can acquire him, that's someone I'm attempting to do. Um, my IDP ditches at the linebacker position are guys I would easily trade for a guy like Willie Gay that you can probably get Willie Gay plus for, um, and you end up on the better side of the trade. Going into the defensive line, there's two guys. My contender budget pick is Jerry Hughes. Um, he just had a monster game, um, just like an absolute monster game, but he's old is the thing. If Jerry Hughes is on a non-contender team right now in your IDP league, go and get him because he's seeing consistently 50 to 55% of the snap work. He's got games in one, uh, one, two, three scoring of 31, 24, 17 and 27 this last week, which is just nuts. His sack total and his pressure rate specifically is great. His tackle total is right around three to four, which for a D tackle, that's all you're asking for. And for a really cheap acquisition at the D line position, especially if he's coming off of a non contender, he's a guy that I'm looking to grab a guy who's going to be significantly more expensive um, based off of, you know, just kind of, what he's done this year consistency-wise. Samson Ebukam, he's 27 years old. He really hasn't done anything in the San Francisco 49ers defense before last year. But if you look over his averages over the last basically, let's call it 26 games. So last year and this year, what he's currently put up, he's going into a bye week, which also makes him a little bit more acquirable, guys. Um. He's averaging double-digit points. He's he's right around 13 points a game from a D-tackle, which is like pretty nuts. He's not ranked very high on a week-to-week -week basis, but at the age of 27, I'd be acquiring him. Um, the guy that has him probably knows that he's pretty valuable, but again, he's a guy that's probably going to be on a non-contender. and If he is, I would still probably be acquiring him because he's going to get re-signed in San Francisco. He's going to be extremely productive for them going forward at the D-tackle position, which has been a hole for them the last two years. And him next to Armstead is a dangerous combo on a team that's going to run the ball and look to play ball control going forward. 
<clears throat> looking at the defensive back contender acquisitions, um, two names of very differing status. Uh, my budget acquisition is going to be Lamarcus Joyner. The dude's 34 years old um, at the DB position, which is, sorry, 31 years old, which is not that sexy, but he has one, two, three, four, five games this season of double-digit points. He has a 30-point game with a two-interception game on his resume. He's got two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, three total interceptions and is averaging right around five tackles a game. Um, but the thing that I love the most about him is he's at right about 75% snap share on this Jets defense, which is something I am loving, especially with how much they're getting after the players. He's a guy you can get dirt cheap because, albeit he's a safety, pretty much everyone that has him, unless they are a true tried contender, is trying to move him off the roster because of his age. Um, acquiring him now, you can get him dirt cheap and going into a good matchup where he's going to see a lot of targets against the Bills. If you can get him this week, awesome. The high target name on a team that realistically is on probably a contender and is looking for a piece to replace him based off of how little he's played this year is Carlton Davis. Um, Carlton Davis is a big named cornerback and he's been very consistent when he's been on the field but he's been off the field the last three weeks um consistently gets you right around 10 to 11 points at the db position which is all you can ask from a true corner especially if you have that corner versus <clears throat> safety designation in your leagues and he's a guy that is going to be in tampa bay for a while is on a defense with a lot of talent and is going to be a tried and true lockdown guy um, he's extremely physical he still gets targeted because he doesn't have the best ball skills but what he does have is tackling and pass defense skills um, he's currently top <clears throat> top 15 in passes defensed in the league right now, and that's with missing three games. So it's a guy that I'm going out and trying to acquire. I'm probably going to have to pay up a little bit for him, but at the DB position, if you're going to, this is a guy I'm targeting. Now on to the... We'll go to rebuild first, all right? Rebuilders, these are guys that have... <clears throat> they're going to be on the younger side, and they're going to have extreme upside, so you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more. But if you have some of the older name tried and true stars, specifically that I'll talk about in my ditches, they're guys that I'm looking to acquire. Um, the first guy on my linebacker list is Patrick Queen. So I know what you're thinking. Why would I acquire a guy that just lost his job to Roquan Smith? I've been talking about Patrick Queen for about 18 months right now. Anyone that's listened to the IDP podcast that I've put out, Patrick Queen is not a consistent producer when he's asked to play the mic position, but when he is asked to play the will position, which he will finally be able to do again due to the injury problem not being a problem with Roquan coming in, he's a monster. Absolute monster when he's just left to run sideline to sideline. He's in a very similar mold to a guy like a Willie Gay. It's just he's been forced into the mic role, which Willie Gay has not been forced into in his time in Kansas City. Patrick Queen is probably <clears throat> the third cheapest player you're going to be able to get on this list right now because anyone that has him is panicking after the Roquan acquisition, but he's a guy I'm solidly going to attempt to grab, especially if you're on a rebuilder because you're not going to have to give up anything that you care about to get him. Um, the second acquisition is going to be more expensive for a rebuild, but he's a guy that I told you to get before the season, people. This is why you listen to me. Uh, when it comes to a certain content, tight end and IDP specifically, but it's Divine Diablo. Divine Diablo has had one game of single digits in 1-2-3 scoring, and it was nine points. Outside of that, he has had 11, 17, 14, 14, 16, 18. Um, he is as productive as you can ask for a guy. He's getting 65% of the snaps overall in the season. He no longer has that safety and linebacker tandem, but he's added about 15 pounds this year. He's much more consistent in the run game. In the last four games, he's had double-digit tackles in every single one. <clears throat> Go out and acquire him. He's going to be a staple for your team long-term. At the linebacker position and people that are casual IDP fans, 
do not know how good this guy is. <clears throat> Going on to the defensive line position, I am looking at two players. One is a guy that I told you guys to acquire. Um, I think it was week two is when I had this conversation with some of my IDP players in here, but Dorrance Armstrong on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he is he's a monster. Uh, in this top-rated Dallas defense, you're always looking for that defensive lineman that's really going to produce for you, and Dorrance is that guy. Um, he's got games of 22, 17, 16, 17, 17, and 1, 2, 3 scoring. Um, extremely productive in the forced fumble category, the sack category, and he constantly gets you about three tackles a game. So for a D lineman, again, you're looking at pretty much a floor of double-digit scoring. Um, you could probably acquire him a little bit cheaper just because a lot of people don't know his name. Um, he might be on your waiver wire, depending on how shallow your leagues are, but he's a guy that I'm attempting to acquire and keep on my team in a rebuild. <clears throat> the highest acquisition cost out of any player on this list that I think you're going to have to pay is Deron Payne, but Deron Payne is the guy I want. Um, at the defensive line, specifically D-tackle position, I think he's the closest thing that we're going to see over the next couple of years to a guy like Chris Jones that is just a game wrecker inside. The Washington line is very consistent, and Deron Payne very well may be on the move next year as they try to focus on the offensive building on this Washington team, but Deron Payne is a guy that I want on my team. Um, right now on the season, he is... He has really just kind of been on a tear. Um, he's got games of 24, 17, 18, 14, 16, and 19 on his belt right now. He's pretty much a one-sack floor guy, so one, two, three scoring. Just just locked and loaded. Get me, get me into the ship. But this guy is... He's my man crush um, at the D-line. He's only 25. He's going to be 26 at this time next year. He turned 25 actually about a month ago. Go out and acquire him. You're probably going to have to pay up for him, specifically because the D-line is one of the harder positions to get guys in. Uh, but he's a guy that I think is well worth the acquisition cost. He's a guy that I am just really hoping that the Bears go out and sign in free agency next year. But he's a guy that I think is going to be worth every penny of your acquisition cost and whatever acquisition cost a team has to pay in the real NFL to get him. Two DBs. One is my man crush this year at the DB position, and one is my man crush last year at the DB position that I think if you're on a rebuild, you should still be building around, and it's always cheapest to go and acquire DBs. The first is Kobe Bryant. He's the cheapest acquisition you're going to get at the position that's going to give you consistently a floor of about eight to nine points at the DB position. People still are sleeping on him, specifically if you're not super prevy on the rookie side of IDP, um, Kobe Bryant's a guy I want. Another guy that, based off of injury, I think you might have to pay a little bit more, but you also might not than Kobe Bryant, just due to the fact that he has been so injured this year. Paulson Adebo, coming back from IR, dude's a fiend. He was a fiend before IR started this year. Last year was an absolute monster. Um, as a slot corner, he is a lockdown dude that gets targeted a lot because he plays the slot, and he does great at tackling and passes defense, which is all I ask for of my DBs. Um, both guys, great acquisitions. Highly recommend Kobe Bryant and Paulson Adebo. And again, all of these players I'm telling you to acquire, you can move the people that I'm going to recommend outside of Darren Payne, I think, and easily pick up the players I'm telling you to acquire based off of Contender and Rebuild, plus with these players that I'm telling you to ship off. Starting at the linebacker position, my ditch, the first one, Josie Jewell. Um, he's a cheaper side of the guy. He's had extremely explosive games this year for Denver. Denver's defense is solid, but his playtime is absolutely abysmal. 
Um, and he's been extremely injured this year. Um, he's actually only played in four games. He's consistently had nine, seven, 14, and nine tackles in set games, but he's seeing basically 50% of the snaps while he's in there. <clears throat> not a lot of actual production outside of tackles. And again, just not the consistency on the field. That's that's the main concern I have for Jewel. Uh, he's been injury just injury plagued his first three years in the league, and it's just going to continue. He's starting to pop off with the bigger games, which is nice, but you can probably acquire Patrick Queen and Diablo for either straight up or pluses for a guy like Josie Jewell based off of the actual production he's putting on the field. <clears throat> Devondre Campbell, guy that should have been traded in the offseason. I told you guys to trade him in the offseason. Um He's still consistently putting up just kind of like a higher floor than the average linebacker, kind of like an Alex Anzalone. But the fact that I can acquire Alex Anzalone plus for a guy that's doing the same, if not a little bit worse production at the linebacker position, he's a guy that I'm trying to move. Plus the age difference, he's older than pretty much anyone else on this list outside of Jerry Hughes. My defensive line, going to sound like a madman, but you should have been shipping him off last year. Aaron Donald needs to be out of your roster. He's been inconsistent this year, which has been the main issue. Sack totals are very nice in this, but the Rams team with how bad they are, with how inconsistent they are, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, you need to be moving a guy that's very volatile on your roster that still has the name cachet and the slight age nod because he's not quite as old as people think that he may be. Um, I would be trying to push Aaron Donald. You could pretty much get like two of the players that I've given you as um, options on the defensive side for a guy like Aaron Donald and pretty much double, if not triple his production with those two. <clears throat> Another guy that if anyone has him on your rosters, it's time to get out. Justin Houston. Um, he's been playing the carousel role. He is now stuck in Indianapolis, which is nice, but this defense <clears throat> is going to start to kind of decline as the season goes on, as the quarterback play starts to be a little bit sketchy. Justin Houston is a guy that's very much up there in age, very much declining in total snap production, and he's just kind of up there right now because of his sack totals and his, for some reason, weird pass deflections that he's getting at the line of scrimmage. He's got like four on the season right now for a pass defense just from sticking his hands out, but that's just kind of a fluky number. So Justin Houston's a guy I'm moving right now. Anyone who is going to be looking at numbers specifically on Justin will like him a lot, but he's a guy that I'm telling you right now is probably time to move on because it's not realistic that this production maintains over the course of the next 10 games. At the DB position, these are two tried-and-true players that I've had on a lot of my rosters for quite a while, and they're two NFC North DBs, specifically at the safety position. <clears throat> the first one is Adrian Amos. Um, anyone that's had Adrian Amos on the roster knows how consistent he's been. He's, I mean, he's like Mr. Nine Points, sit it, forget it, and don't worry about it. That's what he's been like his entire time, both in Chicago and in Green Bay. And I think the days of that are slowly starting to kind of dwindle. This defense is not even nearly as good as we thought it was. Darnell Savage has pretty much taken over the main safety, strong safety role. So Amos is playing kind of that free safety for some reason for them. And it's not his best role. He's had some more inconsistency this year than I've seen in a while. And he's getting up there in age. He's a guy I'm trying to push off because realistically, I think this time next year, based off of his contract, he's probably going to be one of those floating safeties that just kind of bounces around the league. And then probably the second most high profile guy on the list right now, Harrison Smith. Um, it's been fun. I know he's still producing, but if you don't get out now, you're not going to be able to get out. Um, if you're comfortable and you're contender, keep him on your roster, let him die there. But I think this is about the last time you're going to be able to get out on Harrison Smith. And if you can get out on that peak value that you're still really getting for him from one of these younger guys that I told you to acquire, I think it is the smart move to play. Well, guys, in and out in 50 minutes. This has been fun. Um, talked a lot about rookies, a lot about IDP play.
hopefully it's been helpful on both fronts. If both of you, um, you know, both of your preferences on uh, the fantasy side are rookies and on defensive players, but I'm about out of breath. Uh, my throat is sore. Um, it's, you know, raining cats and dogs down in here in KC. So I am going to go ahead and hit the hay for today. But this has been another episode of the Rookie Rundown here on the DWZ Network. Hopefully the rookie report cards have been helpful. If you have any questions about any of the rookies, why I have them where they are, or what I'm thinking about acquisition cost or what I would move them for, you know where to catch me, either in the Patreon group chat or in the DMs. Find me on Twitter at Sally Galore, double L. Until next time, peace. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.